Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, guys, and welcome to a sort of bonus episode with Shambrew Dram. Um, today's episode, you'll notice, if you're listening and you're so freaking confused, this was recording while I was still pregnant. It was going to be one of the maternity leave episodes, and then some things with scheduling changed, and so now we are releasing it as a bonus episode because... I love the conversation. I think it's really educational, informative, and helpful, and I want you all to hear it. So just kind of put yourself back in the like early May timeline of my life because I'm still recording. I reference a lot of like when I have Liam. Obviously, Liam has been born. So basically, I just want to put that little note in here in case you are very confused. This is a pre-delivery recording. We have Shan Boudram on, who is a certified sexologist with a BA in psychology, a sex educator, a dating coach, a relationship expert, an overall all-around badass. I love her content so much across all of her platforms. I think she is incredible and also doing a kick-ass job at making sex a conversation and a topic that we should all be discussing. So you guys definitely should check her out. She's known by her community as Shan Booty. She's awesome. This episode dives into a lot about just like the conversation around sex, but also answering some questions that I get a lot from you guys who I would love to get some professional advice on rather than me just kind of giving my opinion. Either way, I think you will love this episode. She does mention a lot of books and some of her own YouTube videos. So just so you guys know, everything will be linked in the show notes. You can check it all out there. I hope you enjoy. So without further ado, here is Shan. Come on in. Shan, thank you so much for joining us. I am very excited to have you on. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a true joy. It's a Monday over here, so it's a great way to get things started. I know, and this is my last week. Well, this will release during maternity leave, but while we are recording, it's my last week before maternity leave. So I woke up this morning and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to tackle one more week. And then we will figure out when this baby is arriving and deal with the fourth trimester. How many weeks pregnant are you? I'm 38 weeks as of yesterday. Oh, you could. I mean, Uh, yeah, I know. Don't let anyone say anything to you. My baby was due November 3rd and she came on the 12th. So you want to be like, oh, I'm almost at the finish line. And you get to the finish line and then they're like, keep going. Uh, How did you do that? I, I, I am ready. Like, 
I am so, okay, let's go. Like it's, it's been long enough. I can't imagine going over. It sucks, but it's, it's actually kind of nice because when you get to 37 weeks, that's kind of a finish line. Cause now you know mm-hmm. that if the baby can come anytime, it's completely fine. And then every week after that feels like a bonus week. And when you get to 40, you're like, okay, I'm officially done. And then if someone tells you, oh, just 10 more days, you're like, I've done 10 months. I can do 10 more days. Um, right. So I think that you can't go past 14 days overdue. That's when things start to become risky for the baby. So just know that mm-hmm. the maximum you have left is a month maximum. Right. I'm I'm curious. We'll find out more information tomorrow morning. We have our appointment, but last week I was already starting to, I was dilated and a face. Oh, you're, you're doing so, great. I know now it's just, I mean, I convinced myself last night that I was going to labor at 3am. Like it's just now I'm like, what is happening? It's the hardest waiting game ever. Um, but I'm very, very excited to be at or near the finish line and to meet him soon because it's been so long and I'm so excited. Um, As you should be. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I have loved your new motherhood content as well. And just, it's incredible. And I want to dive into everything you're doing and your career and everything that you are educating people on. But first and foremost, how would you define success? Oh, I think success is when your Monday mornings and your Friday evenings are equally as exciting. That's the best definition I think I've ever heard. Oh, no, really? (laughs) I'm serious. I ask everyone this question and I get a wide array of, of answers, but that like really speaks volumes. And I think is so true because there's nothing like the Sunday scaries. And that for me, when I was in the corporate world was one of my first like red or green, whatever you want to call it flags of like, you are not doing the thing that you should be doing. Yeah. I've been on both ends. I've been on where I hated Monday mornings. I've also been on when I lived with a partner who was just really dreadful to be around. And I would go home and be like, like, I remember wishing the weekends would go by because my personal life was in shambles. So I I think that both of them are are equally as, as dreadful. So I think success is when you can be just as excited to be home as you are to get started on like an incredible work week. Yes. Do you feel like you're in that place right now? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I've been here for a while, which is really beautiful. Uh, I think actually the place that I'm at is really fascinating because I read this book called by David Brooks called The Social Animal, maybe the five years ago. And I loved it so much. I was like, I want more books from David. So I read his other book called The Second Mountain. And I got to the first chapter and I was like, why am I reading this? This book has nothing to do with me. Because essentially it's like when you get to a place in life where you feel like you've accomplished a lot of the big things you set out for, now you can focus on helping other people and scaffolding others and then um, helping and basically being a facilitator for other people's dreams. And I was like, this is so far from where I'm at. So I remember putting the book down and thinking like maybe when I'm 60 and then this mm-hmm. year I was like, oh, I feel like I'm on my second mountain this year. Like I genuinely Damn. feel- yeah. Like when I, I do this thing at 11, 11, where I make a wish and I, I'm not a hokey person at all. Um, that's my one hokey person thing. So I make a wish for all the things that I want. I started to notice that um, I take up the full minute of wishes cause I'm greedy, but I started to notice that the front end of my wishes was all wishes for other people. And like what I wanted people in, in my circle to really accomplish. So that's been my new definition of success is like, how can I facilitate the dreams of others? And that I'm not successful in it at all yet. I'm still, I'm just getting started. 
But that's incredible. First, I love the 1111 because 11 is my family's number. So my parents who listen to my show will love that. But I also think- Shout out to mom and dad. Yeah. Um, But I also think that when you hit a place that you're so- confident and comfortable in your own life that you really are wishing success upon others. That's also when you can not, I don't know if it's like I've made it, but you're so satisfied and happy with your own life that you want everyone else with you as we all should. But unfortunately we don't always live in like that positive environment. Sometimes it can be a little toxic and competitive. And I've hit that point with certain aspects of my life. And it is such a refreshing and really eye-opening experience of like, okay, I, I have this, but not only sure, can I continue to succeed, but I want others with me. Like I want all of the people in my life alongside me succeeding in their fields. Oh, that's a thousand percent. Even why I had a kid, like I was for a long time, like I don't want kids. I I was that person who was really adamant about it. And last year, Jared and I, my husband and I, just sat down and we're like, we have so much to share. So I didn't want a kid uh, per se, but I was just like, we're at a place now where the ultimate way that you can share, you know, what you've accomplished with others is to have a child and to not just share resources, but values and knowledge and the love that we have and the home that we've built and not in like a physical sense, but like the the energy that I think that we have created with our love. So I think the first step for me of like solidifying or, or saying to myself, like other people's dreams really, really matter to me was embarking on the conception journey. It's very true. And it, it's something that I am so excited about, but also fearful of just that you really shape a human from the very beginning. And my husband and I talk about this a lot, especially this year, just being introspective people. But then, especially when I got pregnant, talking about this from the very beginning of how impactful simple words you say are on a young person's brain and how it really can last with them. And I'm so excited for that to be able to shape and mold someone with great values and emotional intelligence and love for everyone. But it also does, of course, like somewhat terrify me that it's such a large responsibility. Do you feel both of those things? Oh yeah, I feel that for sure. I also feel, I think when you in general are focusing on the needs of others, there's the scarcity fear in yourself. I'm like, oh my God, like if I'm giving to someone else, I may not have enough for myself. Even something as stupid as my 1111 wish, I'm like, oh my God, what if I wish for everybody else? And then my wishes don't come true. And then I end up having nothing. And then everybody else has everything. And so a part of me, even having a kid was like, what if I have no time and I have no energy and I give so much to somebody else, there's like nothing left for me. So I think mm-hmm. those are a lot of the, the fears that I had before I decided to have a kid. And then definitely they still creep up in you um, now that I'm in the process. Yeah, that's one of my biggest fears, to be honest, is that I I do think that I've noticed I can be a bit of a selfish person with my, I don't know if it's time, but like I like to do things on my own. I'm an independent person. I'm like very selfish when it comes to like, I want my morning, you know, certain things like that. And that is the, you know, it's the most selfless thing to do is take care of another human and put this person first. So that is still a a fear of mine, but also something I struggle with anxiety. And I know even just when we got our dog two years ago, which is nowhere even near a child, but the first step in that path, they take you out of your own head in such a beautiful way that makes you realize 
what is truly important and what you were wasting a bunch of brain space on beforehand that isn't worth your time. Oh yeah. It makes you a lot more um, disciplined with your time. I always, I read this quote years ago and I thought it was so true because my sister is probably like the most efficient person with their time, but they said that mothers are the most productive people. And I have noticed that I have a lot less time to waste just scrolling, right? just doing the foolish things that don't bring you joy, (laughs) don't give you ideas, like don't invigorate you in any way. Uh, Just things that you do just because you've got like a moment of deadness and you're like, let me fill it up with something that kills me even more. Like I don't do that as much. Right. Especially because in today's day and age, there's so much to consume that we don't like being bored, which is when creativity can actually spark. So we're like constantly trying to fill these moments with things to consume, consume, consume instead of create, create, create. And I think that it definitely rearranges that mindset when you don't have the time. Um, So speaking of content and everything you're doing, you are a certified sexologist and a sex education educator, dating coach, relationship expert. I am a huge fan of your content across all of your platforms. Thank you, Cameron. Of course. I mean, I really think you do such an incredible job of taking topics that shouldn't be, but are considered to some taboo and like just laying it all out there. And I grew up in a very like sex forward, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. Household where it was something that was always discussed. And like, still, if you ask my mom to this day, if anyone asks her, like at every bridal shower, anything, people are like, what's your advice? She's been with my dad for since they were 17, I think. Um, She's always like, you have to have sex at a minimum three times. Like she's like telling everyone that they have to have sex all the time. And (laughs) that's amazing. I remember I used to be so embarrassed. Again, shout out to the parents. Yeah. I used to be embarrassed when I was younger, but I'm like, you know what? She's not wrong because there is such a clear, in my opinion, shift in a relationship of just a connection you feel with someone. If you are having a really busy week and things aren't aligning and you're not having sex as much as you normally do, or, you know, maybe there was an argument. I personally feel a deep emotional connection when it comes to sex. So this is a topic I've always wanted to discuss more on my platform, but I feel I wanted like a professional to come on. So I'm very excited to have you on here. Oh, thank you. Again. Yeah. Your parents sound absolutely incredible. So (laughs) So sounds like we have a lunch. Yes, exactly. How did you get into this field? Like what sparked your interest and then led your career in this space? Yeah. I I always say that I think purpose is a thing that we often have to go back for versus something that we have to discover and find. And I feel like I had to go back for this part of me because as a very young kid, I mean like five, um, I was really sexual in nature and not in an age inappropriate way. I mean, sexual in terms of curious about my own body or curious about the human body, um, really fascinated by love, fascinated by connection. And because I had this interest area in a space that people feel a lot of shame and fear around that interest wasn't amplified or uh, encouraged the way that you would be encouraging a kid who had an interest in the piano. So I feel like this was just something that I was in many ways like born to do or born to study. And after being laid off, you know, let off my path for a bit, you know, natural fear from my parents and then uh, religion. When I Mm -hmm. turned 14 or so and hormones kicked in, my natural interest, obviously now coupled with hormonal encouragement 
really amplified, but because the world had shown me that this was something shameful and something I should hide, I just found backdoor ways to engage with my sexuality. And that included consuming a lot of fiction materials like porn and books um, and movies. And so I filled up my head and my world, this curiosity that I had, I found things that I could and I snuck them into my psyche. And then when I turned 16, I started becoming sexual. I obviously wasn't really guided by the best materials. And by 19, I'd had several sexual partners, zero orgasms, no connection, lots of scares in the pregnancy and the STD world, uh, a big disconnect from myself and my body. And I thought to myself, either everybody was right. And this was a really dangerous thing that I shouldn't engage with, or I've been engaging with it in the wrong way. So I gave myself the benefit of actually getting proper sex education. So I just went to a library and I spent the entire summer reading books on sex. And what I found is that there's really great information that was so freeing for me and affirming for me, but it was just packaged in a really boring way. And so unless you were inspired to learn the way that I specifically was and had that initial interest, most people would never get to hear this. So I thought to myself, there's got to be somebody who makes sex education sexy and interesting and approachable, especially for people in my age group. And that was my thought process or my, my mantra back in like 2005, probably even prior to that. And that's exactly where I'm at today. I mean, that's an incredible journey, but also so true in the sense of no one is making that like topic of sexuality approachable, engageable, and safe, I guess maybe is the term because, you know, I felt like as a kid myself, you know, I was very interested in sexuality from a young age. Like it was very clear. I mean, I joke all the time. I made a TikTok video about this that like blew up, but I literally was like, it, I was one that was in my grandma's pool with like my legs over the edge up against a jet being like, this feels good. And my mom's just like, oh, sweet Jesus. Like it was, it was always something I was so interested in. Even mm -hmm. like the books I was reading, like, I mean, I still am like a YA addict, and, you know, very much so when I was at a younger age, my friends and I were like sneakily watching porn either alone or together at sleepovers. And there was I think you actually have her in your um, in your bio, but like Dr. Root, like, you know, like watching some of these women on TV talk about it. I was so interested in it. But again, I felt like it wasn't a big enough conversation. And then at a young age, you know, I lost, I, I hate the term lost my virginity. I had sex for the first time at a young age. And again, so much, you don't even know what's going on. Like I was so young that I wasn't really educated in a proper way. And I think if there's one thing we can change for the generations below us is to like start having these conversations earlier and empower these women, because I think so much of the topic is really disencouraging to the females, in my opinion, even the term lost your virginity as if it's something that like you're no longer sacred without, you know? So I'm so interested in your content for that specific reason, because I do think it's going to make a huge impact. I mean, it already is on females, but especially the generations that are growing up right now. Oh, and the great thing is, is that that thought that I had, you know, in, in 2005 of there's no one out there who's making this information accessible, that thought is completely 
irrelevant and misplaced today. There are tons of people right now. Uh, and this is genuinely like an industry now to the point where mm-hmm. if you are a 17 year old and you told your parents, I want to talk about sex for a living, it would not be nearly as crazy as it was when I said it. So right. as a result, I think of it, and we had talked about this in the beginning uh, before we jumped on and started recording, but it, there's, it's not as taboo as it used to be. It's There's not as much fear and shame and repression. And that's a really, really good thing. Very good thing. And I think a lot of it comes from society, but also a lot comes from the household you're raised in. And so I'm curious, especially as I'm about to embark on parenthood, do you have recommendations for any parents who are potentially listening? You know, a lot of my demographic is like in their 20s and 30s, but a lot of my listeners I know are along my journey, either pregnant or with young kids. And I know this is something that a lot of us have talked about in my DMs, but like, how do you recommend beginning this conversation with your children just around sexuality and educating them in a proper way that doesn't encourage shame, but instead encourages honest and like loving conversations and leaning into their feelings? I think the more matter of fact, you can be the better. So Mm -hmm. when you're explaining heads, shoulders, knees, and toes include labia, scrotum, penis, like include those body parts, nipples, boobs, like maybe don't say boobs. I mean, you say breasts, but (laughs) when you are doing, it's just building it into the general curriculum uh, that, that it comes with parenting. So if I'm explaining to you about like hot and cold touch, I can tell you about good and bad touch or pleasurable touch and painful touch. And so it doesn't have to be like the talk. I feel like we silo it off. Like it's a separate conversation and you Mm -hmm. sit them down and the lights have to be like completely on and we got to be seeing each other like knees to knees and, you know, really getting into like the dirt or the nitty gritty of it versus like, why can't it just be like a casual woven truth that becomes more complex as you get older, like any other topic. We start off with one plus one. And by the time that we're really rolling into math, we're doing equations and we're, we're doing pi. And so I feel like if you don't look at it, like, when do I get started? And instead you're like, oh, like, where are the natural places for me to weave bits of information in? Because I can tell you as somebody who's been learning about sex actively for, you know, 15 plus years now, I'm still learning stuff. So there is no single conversation that we can just like knock it out of the park and like that's done. You're going to have to continue to build on top of it. So as soon as you get can get started, the better it is because the more you can build nuances and build discernment and add color to the conversation, add dimension. And so the work gets a lot easier if you just get started as soon as you can. That's actually very true because everyone will talk, you know, I've heard people talk about like they're sitting down with their parents and having the talk. And I never remember that happening because I think it was just always something that was a part of the conversation. It wasn't this like, and here's what sex is discussion. And I mean, I, I agree. The more we can normalize just like weaving it into our everyday discussion, especially what you said, like your head, nose, ears, like the, the, I don't know what you want to call them, but some of the fake names that people give for private parts inherently are like, oh, we can't say that word. Like it inherently adds shame. If we can just teach a kid to call his penis a penis instead of like his wee wee or whatever people nickname it like that right there, in my opinion, is a first step of just acknowledging that like, okay, this is an part of your body that we don't have to feel shame around. 
Oh yeah. 1000%. I think that you can do both, right? Like you can have a nickname for your ears if you want to, but you have to know that they're called ears out there in the world. So um, if you want to do that, like, great, but yeah, start off with the basics. And so when these words are brought up in the real world, their kids like, I know what that is. And that's important. Exactly. And so while we're on this topic of young children and this discussion, I also, you just gave birth. So when did you give birth to your son? Very recently, correct? Yeah. uh, Ryu is her name and she was born November 12th, 2020. Oh, no stress. Um, well, congratulations on new motherhood. And I am curious because I've gotten a ton of questions on my opinion of like sex during pregnancy. And for me, it was a very interesting journey, just feeling all sorts of waves of different emotions around sex, to be honest. And I'm curious what you experienced and then any advice you have for women who are currently pregnant and in it and like feel, I don't know if loss is the right word, but you do at some point, I know I can speak to myself, like the first trimester, I was so sick. I had no interest in anything. I didn't want to be touched, you know, let alone pat on the back. And then second trimester was like this whole new untapping of like sexuality that I honestly hadn't, it was just a different type of feeling that I hadn't experienced. And now I'm in the, I'm so uncomfortable. I cannot fat. Like, it's just, it's not easy. Um, did you experience those like waves of different emotions during your pregnancy when it came to sex? Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, I think I sound pretty similar to what you did. Um, although like in the end, I really wanted to have sex a lot because I knew that that was a way to speed along. Right. Labor. <laughs> and so I was like, any chance we can get, I don't care if you want to be here. I know I don't want to be here, but let's just get this done. <laughs> I think there's a quote that I love by Steve Jobs. That's you, you can't connect the dots looking forward, only looking backwards. Will you be able to like chart your course? And so I think that's kind of the approach to sex during pregnancy is you can't say like second trimester, I'm going to feel better. Like we try to do that a lot. And I don't know about you. I was obsessed with the week by week summaries on what to expect. I would be like, what's coming next week? Like, how am I going to, cause it's such a roller coaster. You just need some certainty in your life. And especially like you, I had a really terrible first trimester. So I'm like, when's it ending? When's it ending? When's it ending? But by and large, you just have to be like a, a tourist of your own body. You don't know like what's going to happen or like what's around the corner. And so I think as much as you possibly can. Yeah, it's good to like learn and to like try to be prepared, but just be curious about your experience and your body. But the biggest thing I would say is let your partner in on these conversations Mm -hmm. as you're asking yourself and as you're reflecting on your needs and what's happening in your body, let your partner know because you guys are sexual together more than likely. And if it's a big part, and in my case, it was a big part of how myself and my husband connected. So if there was interruptions in that, I feel like it's both of our business to be mindful of it and to be aware of what the circumstances are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, that goes being pregnant or not having these conversations because your needs change like very clearly during pregnancy for me, at least my needs changed because things just felt different and I am physically a different human and I wanted different things, but your needs are evolving throughout the days, weeks, months, years. And to never revisit these topics can set not set you back, but it doesn't allow you to grow in the way that you possibly could if you just opened the door to have these conversations. And that was another question I had for you is like, how do you recommend for people listening 
then how do you recommend people bringing up topics of like new sexual interests or desires with their partner? Go online, print out sheets, find quizzes, find activities, watch movies. Like don't depend on yourself. You're You didn't study it. You don't know the language. Like you're barely, you barely understand how to explain your own interests or your own desires. And so being able to ask your partner, I like my pet peeve advice for people is like the key to happiness is communication. The key to great sex is communication. (laughs) Cause you're like, well, what, what the fuck do I say? And and how do I say it? And what should I ask? What should I not say? And how do I, what's the word for this? You know, furthermore, like if you're not given adequate sexual education, how am I supposed to know, you know, to explain to my partner that edging is the way to describe my best orgasm. Right. So don't just like, look at it. Like we're going to sit down and talk, like fill yourself up with resources and information. I did a video uh, on my YouTube channel recently that's called when sex gets boring. And myself and my husband went through three activities that you can do when you get to a place of like the sex has gotten really stale. And that begins with like, okay, like what are each other's turn on triggers? Step one, step two, like there was this word cloud that um, Afro sexology had created that said like, here's 40 adjectives to describe how someone could feel during sex. What three best apply to how you want to feel. And that's going to inform so much of what you should do in partnered sex. And then the third activity was we printed out uh, a kink and fetish list. And then he and I exchanged the list and then just circled things that we wanted to do and X'd out things that we would not want to do. And it started a really great guided conversation. So that to be said, just look for resources. You just don't have to rely on like your mental power and like your mom to give you the best advice for this. Like there's experts and there's expert tools out there. Lean into those. A hundred percent, because also similarly to what you said, and I say this a lot about many topics, but you don't know what you don't know. And so even not only the vocabulary, but even like feelings and things and different ways of doing things. If you've never heard of them or tried them or seen them, you don't even know they exist. And I think that that's where these tools that you just mentioned can help. And maybe there's something on there that you've never even thought of. And you're like, oh, hey, I want to try that. And you end up loving it. Like we, it is such a field that, as you mentioned, even though you're in the field and you've been in the field for a while, you're still learning. Like there's still so much for all of us to learn. And I do feel that when it comes to relationships, like if you're not doing these things or having these conversations, it is easy for like your sex to continue to look the same. Oh, for sure. And it's just like, it's, it's phenomenal to me because the unfortunate thing is the messaging around sex and relationships is if you have to ask for help, you're actually more tragic that we're all supposed to just like know what to do and we're all supposed to just get it. So people have this thing of like, if I have to ask for help, that actually means that I am, am inept. So I will pretend to the death that like, I'm the best lover and I'm the right. best girlfriend. I'm the best boyfriend. And you're like, oh, like what work did you do to like earn that title? And they're like, nothing. I just, I was just myself. Like that's the best <laughs> advice, right? Like just be yourself. So I actually did a show last week and this girl was like, yeah, I'm an expert. And like a lot of the times, you know, I, and I uplift other people's expertise. This is an area that you definitely can't say that I'm not an expert on camera and sex life. I don't know a damn thing about you and what your needs are. So you mm-hmm. are an expert and you're an expert on, on your partner's sexual needs. So I do want to uplift and say that like people should lean into what they know in this area, but there's this girl who's just like, I know what I'm doing. I'm the best in the bedroom. And then she's like, you know, foreplay is really trash. And like men don't understand how to do foreplay. I'm like, okay, well, what do you like in foreplay? 
and she's like kissing and touching, you know, and then like, okay, well, like, well, can you like break that out more? Like what, what specifically, what kind of touch do you want? Like what kind of kissing and for how long? And she's like, I don't know, just kissing and touching. And I was like, yeah, but like, obviously that's a very, like, that's kind of like saying for cooking, like, Hey, just add seasoning. Right. That person could add turmeric. They could add salt. Like there's a lot that's like not being said there. And you're wondering why you're not getting the result you're looking for. Like your directions are really vague and they're not specific. And so again, because we haven't been taught the language or given what you just said, like the variant options of ways you can kiss and the ways you can touch, it just leaves people feeling like I'm telling somebody exactly what I want, but I'm not getting it. But the truth is like, your directions have a lot of gaps in there. And in those gaps is where people find themselves feeling frustrated with the lack of results in their sex life. A hundred percent. And also having those times where, you know, it might not be the most romantic thing, but having the conversations with your partner of like, you know, it could be in bed while you're doing foreplay or whatever the correct term is, but like, oh, I like this or yeah, that's not my favorite. Oh, I really like that. Do more of that. Like it really asking. And then similarly asking your partner, like I found that very helpful. Like what specifically do you like about this or what don't you like about this? Or is there a specific way you like X, Y, Z and like really getting as detailed as possible. And I know it's not the sexiest thing to think about doing, but it helps so much. And I don't know why we don't have more of those conversations because if you are doing solo play and you're masturbating, like you're figuring out what you like and you're doing more of what you like, you're not doing something that, you know, isn't going to lead to an orgasm often. Um, And I just think that that is something we should be doing more with our partners as well. And it is extremely sexy. I think that a lot of people struggle with dirty talk, for example, and they're like, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's like, there's a lot of things that you want to say that you don't know how to say either. So combine the two. So Mm -hmm. if I want to ask you if you like this or that, then I can do that in a sexy, sensual way in the act. If I want to ask you if you're into a kink, like it can be done in a way that like services being both erotic and being functional. I think again, like we separate sex education and sex so much. Like if we're talking about educational aspects of sexuality, it's got to be like all clothes on, all the lights are up. Like it's a very sterile environment, but if we're having sex, it's supposed to be freaky, but like not functional. So I think like you can combine the two. You can talk about your needs and your wants and you can explore boundaries. You can talk about consent in really erotic ways. That's very true. That's very, very true. And this is another question that I've had a lot of people ask over, you know, I do these unfiltered days on the first of every month where I have like a question box and people can submit questions about anything. And I try to answer as many as possible. And like month after month after month, I get messages from different females for advice on, or advice for someone who has not orgasmed and just has never experienced that. And I mean, I try to give advice, but I'm not a professional in this field. So, I mean, I say like, try on your own to see what you like. And then if you figure that out and you do orgasm, then take that conversation to your partner. But do you have better advice than what I'm giving? Because I'm sure you do. Oh, that's great advice. I mean, I think the best thing you could do is try to figure it out for yourself and experiment with yourself and 
be patient. I think be the kind of lover to yourself that you would want someone to be with you. And in a lover, you want somebody who's creative, who's adventurous, who's not going to give up, who's going to make the experience pleasurable, um, and who's not going to be goal-oriented, right? Because if you've never had an orgasm before, you don't know what the result is going to be. So just being present for the possibilities, I think, is really big. And again, like applying that to yourself as a lover. I would highly suggest the book, Emily Morse, Come As You Are. It is a international bestseller for a reason. It's helped a lot of people, um, one, come to peace with their version of pleasure or two, amplify their potential when it comes to pleasure. But uh, the way that she describes an orgasm, I think is really healing. She just says an orgasm is a sudden release of sexual tension. So when you felt like a buildup and you felt arousal, you felt plateau and you felt excitement and things have built up, and then if you feel a release, that's an orgasm. So it doesn't have to be the same definition for everyone of like, oh, I saw God or like the ground opened up and like <laughs> butterflies burst from my chest. Like that can happen too. But for your body, the version might just be like, I engaged with somebody sexually and there wasn't necessarily like really rapid pleasurable contractions, but I do know that all of a sudden I didn't feel sexual tension anymore. Um, but there are like, I believe two to 5% of people with vulvas who are anorgasmic, meaning that their body doesn't achieve orgasm or that potential isn't there or is very difficult to tap into. And so if you've tried a lot of things, it's just not working. I think redefine your definition of what pleasure is during sex. Orgasm, I often ask people like, what was your best orgasm and what was your best sexual experience? And those two things are rarely connected. Um, so don't feel like you can't still have incredible sex because you're not achieving that, you know, um, landmark that people have placed there. But in general, yeah, like the the womanizer is a great sex toy if you're curious. Um, the magic wand, another great sex toy if you just want to catch all one that has worked for a lot of people. But um, I definitely, again, recommend the book Come As You Are by Emily Morris because education will definitely fill in a lot of the gaps for you. And I like what you said in that uh, orgasm looks different for everyone because it's not only like, you know, Mentally, orgasms are different for everyone, but physically, they're also very different for, for people, whether it's clitoral or vaginal. And, you know, the results, whether a female is coming, you know, it, it's all so unique to the individual. And for, I think there's a huge mental aspect of orgasming, you know, if you're like so focused on it um, and you feel rushed, it's obviously harder to orgasm. And so if you're obsessed and I think you use the term goal oriented. I do think that it's going to be more difficult mentally to reach that state of, I don't want to use the term euphoria, but like release of that sexual attention. And so I also think letting go of that can be very impactful. Oh, agree. That's a really great point. So we like you brought up toys and that to help with, you know, self love and individual play. Are there things that you recommend for a couple who feels like their sex life is just a little stale right now? I know you mentioned doing handouts and taking the quizzes and all of that, but are there other fun devices or tools or whatever you want to call them that you would recommend adding into their bedroom? I would really start with the, the three tips that I gave, because I think that those are foundational because I'm not going to tell you to go and buy like, um, BDSM weekend starter kit. If 
That's right. somebody's no. I wouldn't tell somebody like rearrange your bedroom and like put lights up. If someone's turn on trigger has nothing to do with environmental. So you really have to get to know like, what are my partner's likes or dislikes? What are my, what are their fantasies? Uh, what are the things that they're curious about? And then you can go and purchase and then do like the arranging on top of that. But I feel like those three things that I said, and again, I have a YouTube video, it's called, you know, what to do when sex gets boring. I think that that's probably the, the best place to start. Okay. And I think even that answer is incredibly helpful because it shows everyone that it's not one size fits all. Like one vibrator isn't going to work for everyone. One sex toy is not going to be everyone's jam. Um, And I mean, that's just the same with sex in general, positioning, everything. Like it is not, it's so individualized stuff works for one person and it might not work for another person. Yeah. And there's, um, don't get me wrong. There's definitely stuff that's going to work for most people. So if somebody, again, right. if someone came to me and said like, I want a best vibrator for clitoral orgasms, I'd be like, okay, try the womanizer. Like that's the one that, or um, Tracy's dog, another great one. But that's kind of, if you're like, I don't want to do the work. I don't really care. I don't want to do the activities. I just want to buy something and like, see if it works. And I have a hundred or 200 bucks to spare that I don't care if it like is perfect or not. And that's exists, right? Like there's tons of things like in finances, I'm totally that person. I'm like, I don't want to do the research. I don't care. Like, don't tell me to go read a book. Like, just tell me like, what is the app I can do to get my taxes done in one afternoon? Um, and if you're in that space, certain things, yeah, that's totally, that's completely fine to be that way when it comes to sex. Not everybody has to have a passion to sit down and read something. So you'd have to frame the question to me that way. And if you did, I would completely give you an answer. Mm -hmm. And just switching gears a bit to like the more business side of everything you're doing, where do you see your brand and company evolving and going? And like, what are some goals you have for the upcoming future? Oh, courses, I think are a big one for me. I mean, just kind of even how we're having this dialogue right now, like I have a wealth of information, a variety of things. And while you can do it in videos, um, I feel like being able to give people like a curated learning experience that combines all the various things that I know. And I think what also is my gift is I'm really aware of, of how to engage other people. So via video, that's like the handicap, right? Or even podcast to an extent, because it's just, I make information, you digest it. I can, in retrospect, read your comment and try to apply that. But if there's so many comments and like, who's to say that, like, I'll have the time or like, I'll actually pick up on yours. Whereas if you're doing a course, it's a curated experience and it's a paid experience. Like, I think that the viewer has a lot more interaction with me and a lot more influence on how I interact with them. So that's a really big thing for me. I think going forward is I'm really like, proud of the work that I do in disseminating information to large masses. And again, like I said, like I'm really good at like, here's the most likely answer, or here's the fastest route to get to where you're going. Because I know I'm talking to the person who's probably never stepped into a sex store before, or this might be the first time I listened to a podcast that even talked about this topic. So I'm considering that person as well as the person who's really um, apt in it and is really confident. So I, I love that space, but I'm just curious, like get to know people again and actually feel like I'm having connections with my audience. And it's not just this one way connection, but like I'm learning what they need as well too, and, and curating to their experience and needs. And, um, that's probably like the number one thing that I, I care about in 2021. I agree. It's something that I struggle with a lot when it comes to giving advice or answering questions or even conversations on the podcast, because 
so many topics are so specific to the individual and it's very hard to give blanket statements. And as we've said throughout this episode, clearly sexuality is one of those things and advice for, you know, tapping into your sexuality and that of your partner. And I think a course that could be more individualized or applicable to the paying customer who wants one-on-one time with you would be, I know, I mean, I'm sure so many people would be interested in that because this is a topic that I think a lot of people are looking for guidance on that is more personalized. So I'm sure you will flourish in that space. Oh, thank you, Cameron. I appreciate that. And can you talk to us a bit about your podcast and what it's going to be focused on? Yes. So the podcast is going to be called tentatively hello lovers and friends. And that's what I start all my videos with. And essentially it's going to be about intimacy and intimacy. I define under the verticals of sex relationships and attachment. And what's great about that is that spans into a lot of areas of connectiveness that could go into friendships, right? Like that could go into parenting, right? That, that's a part of attachment. And then of course that could go, sex is a topic that's got thousands of different verticals as well too. So to me, it's broadening out you know, the way that I I show up in the world, I started out just talking about sex and it was my joy for a very long time. And I do it very, very well. And then I was like, okay, well, like what does talking about like dating and how, what I've learned applies to like effective communication. Okay, great. How does that apply to partnership building? And then now, like, how does that apply to other areas in our life that are, are deeply meaningful to us, which is our relationships and our ability to love and to feel loved by other people. So the podcast is just going to be an exploration into all of those various topics. And I have been planning on doing a podcast girl, like I'm going to say like four years now. Um, So know that a lot of thought (laughs) and planning, and I've been pitched a lot of ideas. It just didn't feel right to me, or I didn't feel ready for, I didn't feel I had the time commitment or just like the bandwidth for it. And I feel like now this year, the podcast launches in either July or August. Um, Me getting started on this means me knowing how important it has to be and how great it has to be. So expect an incredible podcast, the best that I can possibly offer. And that's coming this year. I mean, I fully expect it from you. I said this before we started recording, I am blown away by your content and the time and effort and just production, everything that goes into it. It you it's as if you have a legit TV channel. I swear to you, as a consumer, Ooh, that is what it feels like. Um, and will the show be guest focused or will it just be you? What's the style? The the tentative like style that we have now. I mean, I think I'm gonna leave space kind of like with pregnancy to figure it out as I go and to right. be curious about my experience in it. But the way that I have envisioned it going is just me in the beginning, really just lending way to the topic always starting off with a question from somebody. So a question that sparks an idea in me or sparks a conversation in me that I want to have with the audience and then bringing on a guest to bring color to that and then ending things off with somebody who's in my close personal circle and then adding a a personal flair to it. So that way, if you come for straight facts, you can get that at the top. If you came for a human interest story, you get that in the middle. And then if you came to learn more about me or feel a connection with me and have an opportunity for us to just be people being vulnerable and honest, that's what you'll get from the end of it. I love that because I also find that, you know, when it comes to podcasts, obviously people are going to be interested in a guest, 
to a certain degree, but your listeners are people who are in your community and they want to hear from you, you know? So like the end, especially the personal aspect, like that will definitely be very impactful and I'm sure enjoyable for your community, if you want to call it that, um, because that's why they're listening. They want more of your content. And I found for me, I was actually very interested when I asked my community, do you guys like episodes with like guests that are somewhat famous on social media that you know, or do you like the episodes with like my best friend from high school or my husband or my mom? And I was surprised that like almost majority actually voted for the personal aspect because they're like, you know, we want to get to know more Mm -hmm. about you. Um, And speaking of intimacy, I'm just curious because you brought this up. When do you feel your, like, I guess, I don't know if best is the right term, but like, can you pinpoint a time in your life or things that have helped you get to a point of feeling your best sexually and like most loving of yourself in that way? Honestly, I would say books, um, reading ideas from great minds filling yourself up with like educated and informed thought starters just have started the best conversations in my life, both personally and internally. So I think that um, doing the work outside in, going to the outside world to get inspiration, to get facts, to get knowledge, and then coming back home and then reflecting internally on how that can apply to your life. And there's a lot of books like a, I'll, I'll give a quick one. It's called um, The Art of Love by Eric Fromm. It's a really short book too. You could buy that on Amazon. Like that's a really beautiful book that I read recently that just started so many great conversations in my life. Um, my book, The Game of Desire essentially is a collection of all of the most incredible books I got when I was doing the press for that book. A lot of people were like, what is the why is your book better than other dating books? Or why is your book better than what's on the market? And I was like, I don't think that I look at it that way. I think I look at my work as a nod to what's out there because I read so much and consume so much that I'm like, ah, that makes me think of this. Or like, oh, those things can be connected together. And like, if it wasn't for that material, then I wouldn't exist. And a lot of the thought starters and a lot of the principles that I have as an educator wouldn't exist. So I, I look at it like I am the living proof that these things can work, but- I mean, obviously I have a unique spin on things, just like you, Cameron, have a unique spin on things. And um, if you enjoy my unique vantage of the world, I think that's when you're going to enjoy my content. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I I find so much help and assistance in assistance in educational books that not not necessarily, I don't love the term like self-help, but books that are encouraging you to think and have the difficult conversations with yourself or your loved ones or anyone in your life. So all of the books that you've mentioned in this episode, you guys, I'll be sure to put in the show notes. So don't worry if you miss yes, Cameron. Love oh, your audience. Worry. I'm all over it. Um, <laughs> and I know we haven't talked about food at all. This has been a definitely sex focused topic, but the end of every show, I do ask what would be the three ways to your heart through food? Oh, do you know what? I want to find a replacement to HelloFresh. So somebody who could give me that, like <laughs> I love HelloFresh, but the portions are so small. I'm like, it's so much work for one meal. Yeah, I, can't um, do it. I can't do it. But like, I like that. I think it's like a restaurant quality experience at home is really nice. So if somebody could, you know, tweet me that, that would be the way to my heart <laughs> at this point in time. I love sauce, anything saucy, you know, unique sauces. I actually like 
have a long running joke that might come a reality. Like since I was like in my teens, I was like, I'm going to open a saucerant, just a restaurant that's just <laughs> sauces. It's just dipping foods that. and sauces, the best sauces from around the world. Um, and then melted cheese. But you put melted cheese on anything and I'll probably like you forever. <laughs> I love melted cheese. Right? Love, love, love. What's it, been your pregnancy thing? Like what's been your like, okay. It's honestly changed every trimester. And I had such a hard time in the first trimester because food is everything to me and it gets me so excited. It makes me so happy. It brings me so much joy. And I just felt so awful in the first trimester that I was disgusted by all food. And it was really hard for me, like really hard. Um, So first trimester, there weren't really like cravings. It was more just like, what can I actually stomach at this moment? Which was plain pasta and like bagels. And then second trimester was when like the random sporadic intense cravings would hit and they would change, but I needed it in that moment. So it went from sour candy when I spent like $80 shipping Scandinavian sour candy from like LA because it was all I could think about. Um, biscuits. Like I cried when my sister brought me home Bubby's biscuits from New York when I was living at my parents in Jersey. Um, these like salts ruffled chips from whole foods. That was a big one for me and chicken salad. Those were like the biggest ones throughout my second trimester. And then third trimester has honestly just been a lot of the foods I normally eat, but I want everything cold and like fresh. Like there's nothing better to me than like a very fresh fruit salad right now. Oh, that's nice. I love when the cravings are like something that makes you feel good afterwards. Yeah. Because I had a lot of cravings in the first trimester for things I just didn't feel good after I ate them. Um, But that sounds lovely. Yeah. I feel very grateful for my third trimester cravings. And ice cream is my favorite food ever, always. And it was really weird. The first trimester, I had no interest in it. And it was, I mean, I have ice cream every day in my regular life and pregnancy was like the one time I wasn't eating it, which is so odd. I've now become back in love with it during my third trimester. So I'm grateful to have that relationship back because I did miss my ice cream love. Oh, well, congratulations to you and ice cream (laughs) and to your impending son launching any day now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for all that you're doing for people who listened and love you as much as I do when they want more of your content. Where is the best place to follow you? I am going to say Instagram, uh, Shan Booty on Instagram, Booty with a D. Okay. And don't worry, it'll all be in the show notes and every your YouTube, everything will be linked in the show notes for you guys. So Shan, thank you so much for joining us. Freckled Beauty family. I'm not doing an ending because again, this is a maternity leave episode, but I love you. Thank you guys for the continued support. And I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. All right. Thank you so much. Have an incredible weekend too. And again, uh, congrats on your last week of work. You did it. You're doing awesome. You're a great mom. <laughs> Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.